Thank you guys for coming in today's podcast. Fernando Alcoholic, we're going to do the set-aside prayer and then the um, serenity prayer. And this goes like this. God, please help me to set aside everything I think I know about you, about myself, about my fellow man, and about these steps. And please allow me to have a fresh new revelation and perspective and understanding of, of you of myself, my fellow man, and these 12 steps in Jesus' name. Amen. Serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Uh, Let's go ahead and get our reading started, please. Let's go to page uh, 24. I'll go ahead and start, Rick. We'll do a couple, and then... The fact is that most alcoholics, for reason yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation, or even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. The almost certain consequences that follow taking even a glass of beer do not crowd into the mind to deter us. If these thoughts occur, they are hasty and rarely supplanted with the old treadbare idea that this time we shall handle ourselves like other people. There is a complete failure of that kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove. Rick? say to himself in a most casual way, it won't burn me this time, so here's how. Well, perhaps he doesn't think at all. How often have I got to drink in this nonchalant way and after the third report? How on the bar and say, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? Only to have that thought supplanted by well and stop at the sixth tree. What was the use anyhow? When this thinking is fully established, an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid unless locked up or may die or will permanently insane. These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history, but for the grace of God, there have been thousands more convincing demonstrations, but so many of us want to stop but cannot. <clears throat> there is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leavening of our pride, the confession of our shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we have been living it. When therefore we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence which we had not even dreamed. The great fact is just this and nothing less, that we had had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, toward our fellows, and towards God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. If you are seriously alcoholic, as we were, believe that there is no middle of road solution, we are in a position where life is impossible if we had to pass through a region which there is no return through human aid we had but two alternatives one was to go to go out to the bitter end blotting out the consciousness of the intolerable situation as best as we could the other is to get set spiritual help this we did because we honestly wanted to and willing to make the effort 
Okay, let's go ahead and uh, pray the Our Father, and then I'm, we're going to ask for for comments on what just we just read. Okay, let's the Our Father, please. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, uh, I'd like to start with uh, Deborah, but right away that our Father uh, reminds me of the first sentence that we read. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation. That's deliver us from temptation right there. You know, help us. Pluck us out of the evil one. We are without defense against the first drink. Uh, and it's amazing how the awakening, the spiritual awakening is an AA, and you have found much of heaven that, uh, you know. So I'll go ahead and start with Deborah, then we'll go to Rick, and then I'll come back to myself. Thank you. Okay. I don't know if I got it, but... Um, I'm gonna try. Um, when you said about that first drink, um, just like it says um, that I was, uh, I think it's the first step um, that I'm on. Uh, what do you call it? Against uh, alcohol. Uh -huh. uh, I I I have to change that word to people, places, and things because it, um, when I was going to AA. Um, it helped me, and it peeled some layers of the onion. Um, but as time went on, I, I started to find out it was more in the area of um, emotional sobriety. And and because uh, from that, all the things, all the all the things that are happening in my life stem from that. And uh, when it speaks of spiritual malady, that once I can get my spiritual put together, the rest is going to fall, to fall into place. Amen. Amen. And that's exactly what we're talking about in here, that we have fallen much of heaven. We have been rocketed into an existence in the fourth dimension and that God has entered into our hearts and moves and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. Um, Rick, uh, what happened when I first came, I noticed that all my drinking buddies uh, were pushed away. And, and and the sky was blue. I had money in my pocket, and I smelled good. Before AA, I kind of stunk. I always stepped in shit. <laughs> I was I was I was just stinking. I was bloody. I was tattooed, and I went to AA. My car looked the same thing with the light hanging out, wrapped around a fence. <laughs> see, I see. I have to. I have to. Rethink of these things because we, we will drop the ball. I will drop the that first drink. It's the first drink that will get you started. Amen. Now I'd like to hear from Rick. I like the part where it was says uh, we have to come to believe in a hopelessness and fertility of life that we have been living in. When the problem is solved, we have nothing left. Pick up a spiritual, a uh, simple kit of spiritual tools to lay at our feet. So 
funny how you start to find God, you know, once your your head is clear. And you and you look forward and you and you look towards him all the time. And and he starts to appear, you know, in, in ways which is he's miraculous. Um, I've had that. I've had that 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 um, moment of clarity and that and that that emotional uh, bond that I have had with God. And if it wasn't for Him, I wouldn't be here today because I was on a road to ruin. Amen. I, I thank God for Him because you had had patience with me. Everybody else bailed out. <laughs> We keep reading the same thing. We've been doing this over a year. But, yeah. but we this is the first time we stop and really uh try to analyze what we the popcorn that's popping every time we read it this, you know, it's like the idea that pops in my head as we read it. Um and and I remember that when I put the key and I was at the red onion. And I saw my keychain. I said, wow, I got a DUI two years ago. I mean, two two weeks ago, and here I am at again. And it reminded me that I have a problem. I'm an alcoholic. How, how uh, what a wimpy little mind. How quickly it forget when you're drinking the devastation and the wreckage that you're, you can't see the wreckage that you're, the wake that you're leaving behind when you're, uh, you know, when you're out there drinking and moving. Um, Possession of the devil. Possession. Darkness. Yeah, the alcoholic devil. You know, all he wants to do is, is, is to go out and drink. And, uh, and amen. Okay, well, we won't go any further. That's pretty good. I like the, uh, the part where it says uh, that he took away. It worked, it worked in all my character defects, like you said that. And I started accepting people the way... I started accepting myself and the past problems that I couldn't accept was I was drinking over. Um, so let's go ahead and, and read today's daily reflections. Let's shift gears. Let's go into a higher gear now. We're on, on getting on a fast lane. <laughs> daily reflections. Now, I'm going to ask you guys for comments on this one. So listen closely, please. The title is Hope. Hey, maybe you can re you can read it with me. Look. Can you see that? Sorry. Hope. You see it? Do, do not be discouraged. Alcoholic Anonymous, page 60. Few, few experiences are less valuable than fast sobriety. Too many times, discouragement has been the bonus of, for unrealistic expectations, not to mention self-pity or fatigue. From my wanting to change the world by the weekend, discouragement is a warning signal that I may have wandered across the God line. The secret of fulfilling my potential is in that in acknowledging my limitations and believing that time is a gift, not a threat. Hope is the key that unlocks the door of discouragement. The program promises me that if I do not pick up the first drink today, I will always have hope. Having come to believe that I keep what I share, every time I encourage, I receive courage. It is with others that, with the grace of God and the fellowship of AA, I trudge the road of happy destiny. May I always remember that the power within me is far greater than any fear before me. May I always have patience, for I am on the right road. 
Um, okay, the topic is discouragement. Uh, when, when was the last time you were discouraged? I was just a couple of days ago. <laughs> this, this was written for me. I ran away from up north from all the work, and I, I, I actually got tired, you know, from, from trying to be everything to everybody. So I came back to my meetings where I feel at home. Um, discouragement is uh, it's just that, lack of sleep, too many things, not getting enough uh, meditation time. And, and the, print, the, the reading right here says that I'm a human being. I can't do all things. You know, I, the, the maintenance of Fernando is so important, the relax and, and recreation. When I first signed up to go to prisons, and when I have a sponsor that's a, a literature sponsor, I have a sponsor that's a spiritual sponsor, and then I have a big book thumper sponsor. But when I signed up to go to San Quentin, to, to all these prisons up in Northern California, I go, man, I can go to one a week, man. I was so excited. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. And the guy said, no, you're going to go one a month. I said, one a month? It's just like a regular meeting. I have met people a lady that, that all she does is meetings in institutions and in jails and before COVID, right? That's, that's her life. Her meetings, her AA or her 12-step meetings or Elanon, everything she does is in institutions. That's, that's the life I wanted. And, uh, but I didn't get the, I only, I, I go to the boys camp up in the hill that, until they close it for years. We're going up there, you know, taking, I take some, uh, uh, let's say, uh, claw bears, bear claws, for the for the boys, and they were uh, white, black, and Hispanic, and they they and they went like this, Rick, to the to the bear claws. They jumped on them, they grabbed them, and they squeezed them like that. <laughs> it was a big mess, man. The claws fly all over the place, and I couldn't control those guys. And they were like. Hey, sit down, man. We're going to have an AA meeting right here. And boy, what a mess. And uh, Anyway, uh, what did you get out of uh, the difference between discouragement and hope? And, and do you know your, your middle line when you get discouraged? And we'll start off with Rick. And when you find yourself starting getting discouraged, what do you do? Does that take a lot of work to stay in the positive? It does. <laughs> it does. It does. Okay, tell us about it, Deborah. Um, I like first. I like to 
the sentence, may I always have patience for I am on the right road. Uh, when it starts to hit, at least now I'm not stuck in some kind of insanity cage for weeks. It, it's, it's just for a certain amount of period. And, and, I, and I think it's maybe just enough for my higher power to rattle my cage to let me know that, okay, something's not what's not right there's something that's not right so i have to start looking at i have to look at what i'm doing uh, i gotta look at if i am halt anywhere and most of the time it is halt and i say patience because if i lean upon my higher power in patience the road will start to straighten and i start feeling okay inside but and i don't like you know you guys know that i there's a lot of, I have pre-existing conditions and they want to put you on all kinds of stuff. And I don't want to be on all kinds of stuff. I want to, I want to be close to me as possible. And, and, uh, uh this way I, I can use my own barometer because being on all these psych drugs, they don't let me be able to find that in me. I'm just out there. And I do not like that feeling because I feel like I've been out there my whole life. And now I've found a place to kind of like, I can come and stay instead of leave again and keep leaving, always leaving. Territorial changes. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Boy, man, heavy duty stuff, you know. Um, yeah, the doctors try to give us hope in a, in a pill, in a cup. You know, oh, here's your hope. Put your hope on this. I'm God. You, 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 you don't know how to run your life. I'll run it for you. Here. I had I had this one doctor and I was just kidding with him. I said, "Do you think I should eat anything natural?" And he goes, "Oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe onions." <laughs> and then I I took his prescriptions. You know, I think I had a backache or something, or I had bacteria in the gut, and I I wasn't feeling strong. You know, I was feeling weak. So and um, I went and I checked out. He wanted sixty-five dollars for one, another thirty-five for the other one, whatever. I just checked the prices. I go, no, don't order them. I'm not going to order them. I uh, I went to the Natural Health Suit Store and they said they gave me some uh, bi probiotics, yes, or something good for the gut bacteria. And they said I had a bacteria. Well, anyway, I found that out. I went back to the doctor. I said, hey, I'm not feeling strong. You guys check my blood. They checked my blood once. And nothing, and they didn't find anything. They checked my blood again, nothing. So I went searching in the books and looking and looking and went to the library. And then I found out what was happening. The bacteria's poop was going into my bloodstream. And then I said, look for this name here. Look for it in my blood. And they, and they did. And they came back. Yep, that's what it is. They, oh, wow. You know, and then I realized that they're no different than us. They have to focus on every item and but they got too many items too many people to focus on yeah you so know it work that way. each of us has the ability to to learn something and come up with a with a godly natural conclusion and and one of the ones is uh that alcohol the molecule of alcohol is stronger than the composition of the human cell said so it will deduct you know that it it would eat it up and it, it fights back. The liver protects it, protects until it can't protect you no more if you keep pouring alcohol in it. And then it starts uh, 
you know, for say eating up the human cells all around your body. And, and uh, like I usually explain that my house is like my cell and alcohol has busted all the windows and busted all the, the you know, it's just abandoned house. So every morning I have to put this, like Rick said, this hope. Put up, like right now, I'm putting up the windows, the screen, and so the bugs, so the temperature would be okay. And I got to do this every day to my house because that's an abnormal, I'm an abnormal, I cannot handle alcohol. That's what would happen. If I drink it, I won't be able to, to, to stand, sustain in my house because it, the wind will and the rats and everything will come in from the outside and I will be worse. All right, that's enough from me. Anybody else got anything else? We are out of time. How quickly, when I'm talking about myself, the time goes. <laughs> well, here's a cup of hope for you guys. God bless you. Remarkable things are going to happen today because we're asking for it. You are asking for it. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray out with the uh, third step prayer, please. God, grant me the... Oh, excuse me. God, I offer myself to thee... To build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them. Make bear witness of those I would help of your power, your love, and your way of life. May I do your will always. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Thank you, Rick. Bye, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for coming today. I'm Fernando. I'm an alcoholic. My name is Patrick, and I'm an alcoholic as well. Today, I'll be reading from Curse to Change and the One Day at a Time in Al-Anon, Part 2, for Tuesday. Oops. Sorry, it's leap year for February 29th. This is the year 2022. I am told that the automatic pilot in an airplane does not work by locking into a course and sticking to it. Instead, it steers back and forth over the path of an assigned course and makes the necessary corrections when it senses that it has strayed. In reality, the autopilot is on course only five or 10% of the time. The other 90 or 95% of the time, it is off course and correcting for its deviation. I too must make continuous adjustments. I am much more willing to do so today because I have stopped expecting myself to be perfectly on course. I am bound to make plenty of mistakes, but with the help of the Al-Anon program, I am learning to accept mistakes as an inevitable part of the adventure of living. Today's reminder. I can learn to steer the course my higher power sets by relying on a process of trial and error that includes a willingness to continually make adjustments. Quote, a person who makes no mistakes usually does not make anything. End quote. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. It goes true with our GPS too when we... Put a desire address. How many of us, in the beginning, our GPS, we fought it? And I said, no, I think the uh, Rose Bowl is this way. And and the GPS is telling me to go right and I go left. And I end up almost being late to our appointment. 
uh, because I took control. And this enables me to understand that that God is the same thing when I pray for a prayer that roadblocks and circumstances are, are in the way and I still must realize that, that God and have faith in God and, and not take the situation back that God is taking me to my desired place without me sabotaging the process. Um, that's a beautiful reading for today, especially the autopilot that I always say that 95% of failure is what we're looking for because <coughs> once I find that 5%, it, it will be what I'm looking for all the time. A success, it's in the 5%. Michael Jordan played it, said it this way. He's, <coughs> if it wasn't for my failures, I wouldn't have success. Thank you, Patrick, again. Um... Well, um, this is a program like life, actually. It's a program of progress, not perfection, as mentioned uh, in the reading here. Uh, we're not supposed to be perfect, and I was thinking the other night, we're probably wired to be imperfect and make tons of mistakes throughout our life. But uh, this little reading reminds me that, yeah, we do go off course from time to time, but uh, we can make necessary corrections and I'm quoting, when it senses that it has strayed. Uh, my thing is, is mo most of the time, uh, when it comes to decision-making, uh, sometimes I, I go by gut instinct. Uh, and I, I don't know what the, uh, the odds are that, you know, is it 50-50, I'm wrong, 50-50, my gut and my instincts are right, or should I just uh, step back, take a deep breath, and, uh, you know, ask for, Higher counsel on whatever the issue may be and just kind of pause for a moment maybe even a day or two before making any kind of decision um, as I've made enough mistakes in my own life and I've burnt myself and um, we were discussing the topic of fear recently with Fernando just a few minutes ago and one of my fears is going back to that old way of life just doing things on impulse and uh, wrong gut instinct so uh, I have learned through the 12 steps in recovery to basically give it over to God, step back and let him handle it and the answers will come. And then of course we take action, the right action, hopefully. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go ahead and finish off with the serenity prayer, please. God, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Thanks for coming in today. Yay. Greetings, family. Reading for today for Just for Today, Daily Meditations for Recovering Addicts, February the 9th. Self-acceptance. When we accept ourselves, we can accept others into our lives unconditionally probably for the first time. From our earliest memories, many of us felt like we were never belonged. No matter how big the gathering, we always felt apart from the crowd. We had a hard time fitting in. Deep down, we believed that if we really let others get to know us, they would reject us. Perhaps our addiction began to germinate in this climate of self-centeredness. 
Many of us hid the pain of our alienation with an attitude of defiance. In effect, we told the world, you don't need me. Well, I don't need any of you either. I got my drugs and I can take care of myself. The further our addiction progressed, the higher the walls we built around ourselves. Those walls begin to fall when we start finding acceptance from other recovering addicts. With this acceptance from others, we begin to learn the important principle of self-acceptance. And when we start to accept ourselves, we can allow others to take part in our lives without fear or rejection. Just for today, I am accepted in the program. I fit in. Today, it's safe to start letting others into my life. I'm Fernando. I'm alcoholic. Um, Attic, I guess. I had a hard time with that one, accepting myself, you know. Wonder why was I born in this family? Um, why was I born Catholic? I wasn't born with a new religion. I could start my own. All right, reading Hope for Today, February the 9th. Until recently, I never paid much attention to the 12 concepts of service. They didn't seem relevant to anything in my recovery other than performing service at the World Service Office, a scenario in which just for today I don't see myself. However, I was so impressed with some of the conference-approved literature I read on Concept 9, which speaks of good personal leadership at all service levels, that I decided to give this particular concept some attention. In a world of leaders and followers, I am decidedly a follower, which is just fine with me. Concept 9 tells me that I can demonstrate leadership by following program suggestions, thus inspiring others to follow as well. I ask myself some questions to determine if I model healthy leadership behavior. Have I made commitment to attend specific meetings unless I'm sick or out of town? Do I listen attentively when others share? Do I take complex problems to my sponsor instead of to the meeting? Do I volunteer for service? Am I informed? Do I take part in group conscious meetings? I found that I do well with some of these points and that I have room for progress with others. I'm thankful that Alan raised my awareness about leadership. Concept 9 taught me that I could be a leader in the program even if I don't feel comfortable standing for an elected position. Following my heart and conscience, performing service work, and cooperating with others are all forms of good leadership. Thought for the day. The power of example works through me, even if I prefer to follow rather than lead. Each and every member of Elnon has the potential to become a leader. Path to Recover, page 301. Alrighty. Now, courage to change. There was nothing simple about my life before I came to Elnon. My work was highly stressful. My time was always short, and my attention was intensely focused on the alcoholic. But I didn't realize I was under a strain. During the early days in Elnon, I shifted from my intense focus on the program. As my denial broke, I became aware that I was exhausted all the time. 
The topic of an Elna meeting, keep it simple, was just what I needed to hear. I decided that the top priority for my unmanageable life was to recover from the effects of alcoholism. I had responsibilities and couldn't eliminate all the stress from my life, but I tried to simplify it wherever possible. In my case, this meant letting go of some social activities, temporarily switching to a lower pain but less stressful job, and leaving some household chores undone. It wasn't a permanent change, just a way to give myself the time I needed for my emotional and spiritual health. It was such a relief. By the time I returned to my normal schedule, I had a better grasp on keeping it simple, so I was able to handle it more serenely. Today's reminder, I am overwhelmed. I may be trying to do too much. If I am overwhelmed, today I will try to keep it simple. The ability to simplify means to eliminate the unnecessary so that the necessary may speak. Hans Hoffman. Pretty cool. Alrighty, now we got our little book, One Day at a Time in Al-Anon. Would it help my situation to know why the alcoholic drinks to such excess that everything around him is damaged in some way by his compulsion? If he drinks to drown out the pain of shattering childhood experiences, which he does not even identify or remember, how can such pain be located and removed? Certainly not by us. We are amateurs and emotionally involved amateurs at that. It would take years and thousands of dollars worth of psychiatry, and even then the outcome would be uncertain. But at least the knowledge that he suffers should keep me from condemning him. Today's reminder. It is enough for me to know that the unhappy drinker can get help in AA, where so many have found content that sobriety. It is enough for me to know I can overcome my own confusion by using the Al-Anon program. Let me conduct myself, my life, in such a way that I will have no reason to reproach myself for making a bad situation worse. This, at least, is within my power to make it better. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful reading. I'm Fernando. Thank you very much for coming in today's reading. Uh, let's give me give me one more, and that will be a melody. Let's see what she has. Uh, enjoying recovery. What a journey! This process of growth and change takes us along an ever-changing road. Sometimes the way is hard and craggy. Sometimes we climb mountains. Sometimes we slide down the other side on the toboggan. Sometimes we rest. Sometimes we grope through the darkness. Sometimes we're blinded by sunlight. At times, many, many walk within us, walk on the road. Sometimes we feel nearly alone, ever-changing, always interesting, always leading someplace better, someplace good. What a journey. Today, God helped me to relax and enjoy the scenery. Help me know I'm right where I need to be in my journey. Just for today, I will count all my blessings. Just for today, I will get some sunshine and put my feet on the ground 
and listen to God. Just for today, I will meditate on nature and relax. Just for today, I will clean my house easily and with music on. Just for today, I'll take a walk and get some sunshine. Take care, family. God bless you. Thank you for coming in today's service. Let's go ahead and uh, today's reading. Let's go ahead and finish with the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change those things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Keep coming back, family. It's working. Welcome to today's Elanon reading for the 5th of February. Let's open this meeting with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Our shortest slogan, think, can be very helpful. However, as with most tools, I need to use it with care and reason. As I heard it set around the rooms, my best thinking is what got me here. For me, thinking too much or in a negative way is almost as dangerous as not thinking at all. Obsessive thinking can be my symptom of this family disease as much as obsessive drinking is the alcoholics. It has been occurred to me that I might be better off if I could get licensed to think safely. Meetings are the closest place I've found to safe thinking training grounds. This slogan is intended to help me think, think before I act, think, making sure my actions are well thought out, not impulsive, compulsive, or reactive. I need to remember, though, that the slogan is not think, 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 along the lines of easy does it, but do it. It sometimes needs to expand the scope of this slogan, think in moderation, think and pray, think out loud with a sponsor, think and feel, ponder, ask, ask for the right thought or action, thought for the day. Think is an invitation for clarity, not endless rumination. God helped me to think, but not too much. God help me to receive instructions from Him. I have a program that helps me to make sense of my mixed-up thinking and feelings. That's taken from Melody, a day at a time, page 14. And that was uh, in our next reading for February 5th is, and it's a beautiful day today. It's nice and sunny. I'm out in the front yard. I've got some smashed up almonds for my friends, which are the uh, the Blue Jays. They're 
will come to the table and they know me, they grew up with me. I was under the tree reading when they heard my voice while they were being in the egg. And they know my smell and stuff and they get excited when they, they come back to the nest. And they're, hey, this is where I grew up. Here's where I was born. Okay, today's other reading, another book says, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, says the Zen Buddhist. Or, as speakers put it, we each get here on right on time. To me, this is an important reason to have a public relations policy based on attraction rather than promotion, as the 11 tradition suggests. My own arrival in Elena was right on schedule. I first heard about the program when I was a teenager. I attended my first meeting 20 years later. I don't regret that lapse of time because I don't think I would have been ready to come to Elnon any sooner. I spent those 20 years resenting any implication from well-meaning family members that I had been affected by alcoholism. Only after many years of living with the effects of the disease did I really become ready to get help. No amount of nagging would have hurried me along any faster. Today's reminder. There is no magic wand that can make others ready for Al-Anon or any other 12-step program. It is the presumptuous to assume that I have a better idea of their true path than they do. Let me help those who want help. When my life improves as a result of working the program myself, I do more carry the message that I ever could by forcing it on others. Let me not dilute the effectiveness of the help I can give by letting it take the time of giving advice. I know I will never have enough insight into another's life and to tell that person what is best to do. The Dilemma of the Alcoholic Marriage. Let me not dilute the effectiveness of the help I can give by letting it take the form of giving advice. I know I will never have enough insight into another's life to tell that person what is best to do. Beautiful, beautiful, wonderful readings. Our next reading is intriguing. It's right on. It's called, As I Uncover and Face My Own Shortcomings, my many good qualities will be revealed to me, too, reminding me that they have the same reality as my faults. Let me appreciate them, for they not only offset the faults, but give me a foundation on which to grow. If I recognize that I am kind, tolerant, generous, honest, patient, let me delight in these constructive qualities. They make it possible to accept myself as a friend. They are mighty allies in eliminating the shortcomings that are roadblocks to my serenity. Today's reminder, it is just as self-deceptive to discount what is good in us as to justify what is not. This is false humility, which is a hampering as arrogance. The purpose of examining our characters with as much honesty and detachment as possible is not to exaggerate guilt for what we lack but to use the good to overcome the faults. Let me learn to understand myself first that will occupy me so fully that I will have no time nor thought to analyze and criticize the compulsive drinker. 
Let me learn to understand myself first that will occupy me so fully that I have no time nor thought to analyze and criticize the compulsive drinker, the compulsive thinker, or the compulsive complainer that constantly complains and whines um, about you or the program or their lives. Yep, there's not much you can do. Enjoy your life. And we are enjoying. I'm going to be reading a few uh, excerpts from a book called God Calling, A.J. Russell. It says, Oh, let me hear thee speaking in accents clear and still above the storm of passion, the murmurs of self-will. I speak to reassure me, to hasten or control. Oh, speak to make me listen, thou guardian of my soul. Nothing is by chance. Divine mind and its wonders working is beyond your infinite mind to understand. No details forgotten in my plans already perfect. All sacrifice and all suffering is redemptive to teach the individual or to be used to raise and help others. Uh, this is uh, our higher power speaking. It says, another start. Our higher power says, take courage, do not fear. Start a new life tomorrow. Put the old mistakes away and start anew. I give you a fresh start. Be not burdened, be not anxious. If my forgiveness were for the righteous only and those who had not sinned, where would it be its need? Remember, as I said, to whom much is forgiven, the much love it much, same love it much. Why do you fret and worry so? I wait to give you all that is lovely, but your lives are soiled with worry and fret. You would crush my treasure. I can only bless glad, thankful hearts. You must be glad and joyful. Practice love. Watch over and protect us. Want of love will block the way. You must love all, those that fret you and those who do not. Practice love. It is a great lesson and you have a great teacher. You must love. How otherwise can you dwell in me where nothing unloving can come? Practice this and I will bless you exceedingly. Above all, you cannot only ask but imagine. No limit to my power. Do all you can and leave to me the rest. Peace will come and trust. Fear not, I am your advocate, your mediator. If men oppose, only believe the walls of Jericho fell down. Was it axes or human implements that brought them down? Rather, the songs of praise of the people and my thought carried out in action. All walls shall fall before you. There is no earth power it falls like a house of paper at my miracle working touch. Your faith and my power, the only two essentials, nothing else is needed. So, if man's petty opposition still holds good, it is only because I chose it to let it stand between you and what would be a mistake for you, if not a word, a thought. From me and it is gone. The hearts of kings are in my rule 
and governance. All man can be moved at my wish. Rest in the certainly, rely on me. Drop your crutch. Just go step by step. My will shall be revealed as you go. You will never cease to be thankful for this time when you felt at peace and trustful and yet had no human security. This is the time of the true learning of trust in me. When my father and my mother forsook thee, then the Lord will take thee up. This is a literal dependence on me. When human support or material help of any kind is removed, then my power can move, become operative. I cannot teach a man to walk who is trusting to a crutch. Away with your crutch, and my power shall so invigorate you that you shall indeed walk on to victory. Never live it my power, it is limitless. You shall know. Walk with me, I will teach you. Listen to me, and I will speak. Continue to meet me in spite of all opposition and every obstacle. In spite of days when you may hear no voice, and there may come no intimate heart-to-heart -heart telling. As you persist in this and make a life habit of it, in many marvelous ways I will reveal my will to you. You shall have more sure knowing of both the present and the future. But that will be only the reward of the regular coming to meet me. Life is a school. There are more, many teachers. Not everyone do I come personally. Believe literally that the problems and difficulties of your life can be explained by me more clearly and effectually than by any other. God's Longing To the listening ear I speak, to the waiting heart I come. Sometimes I may not speak, I may ask you merely to wait in my presence, to know that I am with you. Thinking of the multitudes who thronged me when I was on earth, all eager for something, eager to be healed or taught or fed, think as I supply their many wants and grant their manifold requests, what it meant to me to find amid the crowd someone or two who follows me just to be near me, just to dwell in my presence. How must, how some longing to the eternal heart was satisfying thereby. Comfort me a while by letting me know that you would seek me just to dwell in my presence, to be near me, not even for teaching, not for material gain, not even for a message, <clears throat> for, but for me. The longing of the human heart to be loved for itself is a something caught from the great divine heart. I bless you. Bow your heads. And now, a time for meditation. Please relax. Put your feet on the ground, preferably the grass, barefooted. Take in the sun and let the Lord love on you. Love on Him. Love on your higher power. Relax. He's got it. He promises. He'll take care of it.
of today is the um, the Al-Anon Traditions, Tradition 1, takes on a new meaning for me when another member share their interpretation that unity includes coming to meetings even when life was going well for her. Her insight helped me look at meetings attendance as both an act of unity with other members and a commitment to my own growth and well-being. In the beginning of unity, purpose meant I could come to a room full of people who accepted my irrational thinking. They offered me an encouraging hug rather than telling me to shape up. Instead of rejecting me for being different, they showed me how alike we all are by sharing their experience, strength, and hope. Through these types of healthy encounters, I began to feel a bond with other members. I felt united with them through a common experience. As I worked my program, I became more unified in my own mind, body, and spirit. Now, unity of purpose means it's time for me to attend meetings, not just for what I need, but what what I can offer. How else will newcomers know there's an end to their suffering if I and other members in recovery don't show up when things are going well? How will they learn that they too can smile again if they don't see our smiling? What about the longtime members who slip and forget the help available to them until we offer it? I might need this type of prompting something sometime myself. When I come to meeting during my good times, others are reminded that whatever their problems, there is help and hope in Elna. Thought for the day. As Alan leads me to peace and serenity, I increasingly become an example of to struggling members that such a life is possible. Reaching out gave me a new perspective in our common welfare. Wow. When I got busy, I got better. My best thinking and my best efforts proved insufficient to the task of restoring me to sanity. My life had been completely unmanageable. In the program, I heard that a power greater than myself could bring order into my life. I began opening my mind to the possibility. To me, step two is all about hope. It's a process by which I became become free from whatever problem is bothering me. It gives me something else to do, somewhere else to go when my life becomes unmanageable. I learned to look beyond myself for answers. Coming to believe is a process for me. First, I came to believe that others have faith and that their belief in a higher power somehow makes a difference in their lives. I can see peace, love, and happiness in many of the people at meetings, and I yearn to possess those qualities myself. Gradually, my mind opened to the possibility that I, too, can experience serenity. 
Eventually I became willing to believe. But even that comes in stages, plenty of times. I need to ask my higher power for the willingness to be willing. Finally I believe. Exhilarating flows through me. The door to a new reality opens wide. I realize this revelation is just the beginning. I am not restored to sanity in an instant. However, step two gives me hope I can be healed because I know, now know, and believe in the source of all healing. My higher power is there for me once I choose faith, sanity, and healing for my life. A thought for the today. The phrase, came to believe, reminds me that faith is a process, not, not an event from which sanity arises. And the basic spiritual principle introduced in step two suggests that there is a power greater than we are that provides hope for sanity, whether we are living with active alcoholism or not. The alcoholic was obsessed with alcohol, and I was obsessed with the alcoholic. I watched, monitored, controlled, and exercised my need to feel hurt. I felt self-pity, embarrassment, superiority, resentment, and anger. All of these took obsessive turns, filling my mind and heart. I wonder why I indulged in these draining behaviors and emotions, which had only resulted in further misery for me. In Elanon, I begin to realize that the wretchedness and gloom, although familiar and comfortable to an extent, were optional. Serenity is possible with changes in my attitude, expectation, and responses. Today, I want to exercise my option to be happy, to feel calm and good. One of my favorite ways to turn my attitude around is to apply the slogan, How important is it? How important is it? I closed my eyes and began to look at my situation in a large, maybe even universal context. First, I imagined my little apartment and then my town. I visualized my state and then my country as if on a map. Then the whole world comes into view. If I need to, I even extend my imagination into the planetary universe and the Milky Way. I think of all living beings in this great big world and I ask myself, how important is it? The larger my world becomes, the more my problem and I shrink. In the grand scheme of things, what am I dealing with usually is not earth-sharing. This visualization made me to realize how important it really is so I can relax and enjoy the pleasant things in my life. Thought for the day. Sometimes happiness and serenity are a matter of perspective. Saying how important is it can help us to be cool under stress that way we can see and save energy for the first things, for the things that really matter. Concept one, the ultimate responsibility and authority for Elanon World Service belongs to the Elanon groups, lays out clearly the source of accountability for Elanon. Other legacies describe how the groups can best exercise this accountability in this way, there's a match between what is expected at the groups and their capacity to meet the, these expectations. Ellen as a whole can move forward with confidence. Concept one teaches me that I am an individual person separated from human beings, and as such, I have no responsibility for authority 
over them. I still have people in my life who want me to take on their responsibility. However, Elon helps me to make clear delineations between what does and doesn't belong to me. It also gives me tools such as detachment, live and let live, step 10 and keeping focus on me to help me keep those demarcations clear. Such a match between expectation and ability were missing in my alcoholic family. Authority and responsibility were often misplaced. I can remember as an adolescent, after meditating my parents' drunken fights, thanks to Elna, I knew I now I knew ending their fights was not my responsibility. As a child, I simply didn't have the authority to do so. I also remember my alcoholic father once suggesting I had caused the breakup of his second marriage. I didn't know better at the time, so I took on the guilt of that allegation. It took me a while in the program before I understood that the success or failure of a relationship depends on the particular parties involved. for the day. Just because someone tries to throw off his or her responsibilities my way doesn't mean I have to catch them. My program helps me detach from what doesn't belong to me. Concept one shows me where my responsibility is. Alrighty. Intriguing writings written by Elna members from all over the country. Food for thought, folks. Food for thought. Maybe a couple more here. After working Elon's 12 steps zealously for over a year, I was despondent over my continual lapse into self-pity and resentment over the alcoholic's inability to give me the emotional support I wanted. One evening during a meditation on the 6th and 7th step, these words seemed to flash in my mind. We were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character, and we humbly asked Him to remove our shortcomings. I suddenly realized that much of my zealous working of the program had been the exercise of my own limited power. With a new and sincere humility, I asked God to remove my shortcomings. When I saw the alcoholic the next morning, it was as if a veil had been lifted from my eyes. I saw her suffering, struggling to stay sober, and I had compassion for my own struggle as well. My self-pity and resentment were gone. I wanted to be ready for shortcomings to be removed, and I will do what I can to prepare. I can develop a non-germental awareness of myself, accept what I discover, and be fully willing to change. But I lack the power to heal myself. Only my higher power can do that. And the dilemma of the alcoholic marriage is I accept the fact that I need help in being restored to sanity and that I cannot achieve this without help. Living with alcoholism, I learned that plans could change at any moment and that the rules varied accordingly. I developed a deep mistrust to, of everyone and everything because I could, could count on nothing. As a result, I have often found myself jumping at any opportunity without thinking it through. Behind my action was a sense of desperation. 
I better grab this now. This may be my only chance. Elna showed me a different approach. I can live one day at a time. I can base my choices on what I feel is right for me today rather than on what I fear I might lose sometime in the future. I can think before I react to my fears and remember that's easy does it. If I feel unable to do something today, I trust that there will be another opportunity of it sometime I mean I am meant to do. It doesn't have to be now or never, all or nothing. Today, I don't have to be limited by my own fears. Instead, I can do what seems right. I do not have to follow every suggestion or take every offer I receive. I can consider my options and pray for the guidance to choose what is best before me. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, There is a guidance for each of us, and by lowly listening, we shall hear the right word. Place yourself in the middle of the stream of power and wisdom which flows into your life, and without effort you are impelled to truth and to perfect contentment. Amen. The word of the Lord. Oh, the word of the Lord. I thought I was reading my Bible there for a minute. I'm dozing off. One more reading. I thought that if I stopped enabling the alcoholic in my life, the drinking would stop. When the drinking seemed to get worse instead of better, once again I thought I had done something wrong. I was still trying to control alcoholism and its symptoms. Elon helped me to learn that I am powerless. I cannot stop an alcoholic from drinking. If I choose to stop contributing to the problem, I do so because it seems to be the right thing to do, something that will help me to feel better about myself. When I change my behavior, the behavior of those around me may also change. But there is no guarantee that it will change for my liking. Today, I am learning to make choices because they are good for me, not because of the effects they might have on others. It is hard to stop acting as I have in the past, but with Elna's support, I can be the one to break the pattern. I can choose to do what I think is right for me. And Jane Seymour said, have you have to count on? You have to count on living every single day in a way you believe will make you feel good about your life. Jane Seymour. Beautiful, beautiful story. Okay, I said one more, but one more after this one, one more, okay? Taking the first step is not a matter of reading the words admitted we are powerless, but of impressing them so deeply on our consciousness that the admitting will be established as a part of way of thinking and feeling. We may read and repeat this step hundreds of times and still fail to use it in the way we think and act. If we really accepted the fact that we have no authority or power over any other human being, we would not so try to compel the drinker to do what we wanted him to do. Have I attained the frame of mind? Can I make it myself let go of the problem? Today's reminder. I will look back upon all things I have done to make the alcoholic stop drinking. 
Has it produced one iota of improvement to scold, weep, complain, accuse, reason, appeal, or threaten? Am I any better of today for indulging in those futile gestures? Is the drinker any closer to sobriety or in a situation worse? I pray for the wisdom to, re- to realize that progress being begins only when I am ready to detail myself from the idea that I, that I alone can control and solve another's problem. Again, I pray for the wisdom to realize that progress begins only when I am ready to detach myself from the idea that I alone can control and solve another person's problems. Beautiful, beautiful reading of the Elron material. Thank you. It is my honor and pleasure to to introduce our chairperson this morning, and this is Eric. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. My name is Eric, and I'm alcoholic. Um, And... uh, Let's see. So I guess if anybody wants to try to remember my name, I go by Eric with a K. It's a four-letter word that ends with K. Uh, I've been named other four-letter words <laughs> that end with K, such as jerk, and uh, there are a few others. I'm sure you guys can fill in the rest. And uh, I did earn those name titles over the years as a result of my drinking, and uh, truly grateful to be sober and of sound mind today. Uh, my sobriety date is, oh, I forgot to start my timer. My sobriety date is August 22nd, 2018. And my home group is a group of guys uh, here in the Glendora area. They call themselves the Sick, Lame, and Lazy. I think these guys are so super cool. There's a lot of elders in the group. Uh, I'm, I'm privileged to meet with them twice a week. It's a Monday, 12 and 12, and a Wednesday big book. And I definitely want what these guys want, so I find myself these days uh, dressing up a little bit like them. I show up to the meeting early like them. I shake everybody's hands before the meeting like them. Uh, I kind of attribute it to like uh, being a kid. Uh, When I was a little kid, I loved Pete Rose. I wore my Cincinnati Reds hat. I tried my batting stance like him. I didn't become Pete Rose, but I totally idolized these guys and a lot of great gentlemen to look up to. Um, My story is not a fascinating one. There are no car chases or jail time, uh, divorces or anything like that. But uh, thank God I came to the decision when I realized that all of those things were going to happen in just a matter of time. Uh, My uh, first drink or drunk was at the age of 13. It was at my uh, grandparents' house. for We had yearly Passover Seder, which is a three-hour ceremony. And for a little kid, it can be a pretty long ceremony. But in Judaism, uh, at, at the age of 13, you're a, you become a man. And uh, so I was allowed to drink. And I just remember having a really heavy head. And I remember tilt my head back and it was uh, it was not life-changing it was not amazing it was uh, a little bit disturbing the interesting thing was when uh the next year at age 14 they did not serve me alcohol 
and I was really, really upset and pissed off inside of my head. But, you know, back in uh, 1979, uh, we were still taught to respect authority and, you know, talk back to your elders. And so I just held it in. Then at age 15, I got to drink again. And uh, it wasn't really a big deal. At age 16, I did it, so it became an odd, num- even odd-numbered kind of thing. But by the age 16, uh, my friend down the street was breaking into neighbors' houses, and we were stealing uh, champagne bottles and beers out of their fridge. Uh, I was the lookout, so uh, that uh, that. I was able to justify it in my own mind that it was okay. He was doing the wrong. He was doing the wrong. Uh, anyway, so... In uh, high school, you know, there, there are a few mishaps. I uh, started, uh, you know, I found the, uh, the, the store uh, outside of town that would sell alcohol to uh, anybody who had money. And uh, so it's like I got my car, my mom's car stuck in the mud once and, uh, and a few other things. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. All right. On to the, on to the next part. On to the next um, so I was always able to manage my drinking it, it, to the point where it was still fun. Uh, I, I, I could say when, you know, I could say when I could say, okay, I'm buzzed enough. Uh, I got to get home. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, all of that as an alcoholic and later in life, it was, I got my buzz on and I got to keep it on. And by uh, keeping on drinking and drinking, uh, not realizing I'd get worse, I, I would get worse. So in my 20s and 30s, things were things were pretty, I, I was, uh, the big book explains the type three hard drinker, where, uh, you know, uh, maybe we can stop for a major life event, a uh, child being born. Uh, for me, it was the stern warning of a doctor that at age uh, 35 or 37 or so, the doctor says, uh, uh, my liver enzymes are escalating or are uh, elevated and I really scared the, the heck out of me. So I, I made a plan to stop drinking and, uh, and I was able to stop. My plan was to stop for a hundred days. The hundredth day was on my dad's, uh, uh, was going to be my dad's birthday. He had already passed, uh, from alcoholism. And, uh, so it's kind of funny. We got Super Bowl coming up. Uh, I didn't know about AA. I was not uh, uh, doing anything spiritual or, or uh, fortifying that sobriety. And there was a Super Bowl party, and I had a couple of beers. And you know, uh, then uh, you know, by about a week or two later, it was a twelve pack a day, and, and then it escalated, and, and it came back just harder, and and you know, just worse and harder. And I knew nothing about uh, how alcoholism works. Now, by that point, I was already thinking. I already knew I'm drinking too much because I used to compare myself to the medical forms. You know, how many drinks do you have per day? I have none. I have one or two. I have between three and five, or I have more than three and five. And I always tried to stay in that, that three and five. But, you know, even when I poured glasses this tall, that three and five still didn't work. Well, it, it started to get to be so bad. I started waking up in the morning wondering if this is the day I'm going to die. Because at around age 45, um, it, it felt like it was the end. Uh, all my life, I've been very concerned about my mortality. 
you know, when I was, when you're young, they say, don't worry about it. You, you know, you're, you've got a long life ahead of you. And in my mid thirties and forties, you know, I don't have that long life ahead of me. I started getting really concerned. Um, so I'm going to the store and I'm looking at the expiration dates on the food in the store. And I'm wondering if I'm going to outlive those dates. I'm wondering if I'm going to outlive my 97 year old grandfather, my 15 year old Labrador. And, uh, I got a new phone and it's facial. It's a facial recognition thing. And uh, I'm so sorry. Okay. So I'm at the point where I need alcohol as much as I need oxygen to live. I started waking up with the shakes and then I said to myself, I'm, I'm just effed. I'm totally screwed. Uh, I still try to manage my alcoholism another half a year to a year. And then it became, uh, the year was 2018. In 2018, the car crashes started happening. <clears throat> In January, I was the middle car of a three-car pileup. Uh, I did not stop in time for the car in front of me, thus the car behind me got me, and I was disguising my drinking by putting my vodka in water bottles and I had a full bottle with me and I remember being against that freeway border and emptying the alcohol and squashing the bottle and making sure it sat perfectly underneath my car. Um, another, so I, I live in, uh, where I live, I need to head east about an hour. Uh, there was another time about a month later, I ended up an hour south, uh, not realizing I'm going the wrong direction. On another event, I made it to work. I made it to the work parking lot. I was not uh, well enough to work that day. And because my family, we all have a, a Life 360 and they can track me, I had to sleep in the car. So they thought I was working all day. And it was just miserable, miserable, miserable. And then the, the thought came to mind. I, I, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And yet I was still too proud because... I still had a house. I still barely had a family. I still barely had a job and so on. And uh, the thought came to me. Now, I'd been agnostic all, uh, pretty much coming into the program, just desperately seeking for proof of something, some entity that will take care of me after I die. And uh, so that thought came to me magically. I, I got myself into, uh, into rehab, and rehab was great about teaching me the prefrontal cortex stuff and all that but what i got out of rehab was that i can live and breathe again without alcohol i can be myself i can laugh and and just enjoy life again and then when i get out i got in real tight with these guys sick lame and lazy uh, i just i try to be of service as much as i can not just because it gets me to the meeting uh like commitments but it I really enjoy helping others. That really, really makes my day is, you know, a, a telephone call to another AA, um, even helping out a neighbor, uh, somebody coming out of the store that needs maybe their, their uh, sodas put in their car. I'm always looking for ways. The, 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 my life gets better and better the more I help others. And uh, today, thanks to the program, I live a very peaceful life, especially in my head. I'm fine with having nothing to do. I can 
think of, you know, what I can do to help another alcoholic or something that I can do to be of service to my family. Uh, today, I can watch uh, Hallmark movies with my wife <laughs> in the living room. And I, because I realize it's, it's all about spending time together. It's not about me enjoying what's going on on the TV. It's about just hanging out, even if nothing's said. And uh, last explanation, uh, not too coincidental, but I decided earlier this this uh, holiday season, I, I love this hat. It's very warm, but I call it my gratitude hat because some people, a lot of people notice, hey, it's not Christmas anymore. I realize after the holiday season, I wake up every morning with a gift. The first gift is being able to sleep in, sleep in my own bed because I'm speaking to you from my garage, which uh, used to be my bachelor pad with a four-inch thick futon mattress. This big refrigerator was not there. I got a 13-inch TV uh, in the corner. Uh, it's not insulated. It's very cold, um, yet I had a, like a 24-pack of canned soup, and uh, I ate those, and I did my bathroom business out the side door, just totally evading the family, and uh, just thinking back, it's so much not a way to live, and I'm so grateful. I'm just grateful I don't have to live that way anymore. So as long as the weather is going to stay cool and I can wear this hat, this is my gratitude hat. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for having all my five senses and to be able to walk. And, you know, I can see these beautiful things on the earth and feel nature around me. Um, I firmly believe my higher power and God is in all living things surrounding me, which is just wonderful because if ever I'm feeling a little down, I just go into my garden and I just feel, I feel him, I feel everything. So my timer went off quite a few times. I know I've got over, but uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful life. I thank you all for being here and letting me be part of your meeting uh, this morning. So thank you all. All right. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> Great. Greetings, family. We're going to be reading today a little bit about Al-Anon. You know, it's wish there was 48 hours in a day. There's so much fun and service work to do. Right at the moment, we're going to read a reading that hardly ever gets read. Actually, it gets read every four years. And that's uh, February 19th. Excuse me, February 29th. Right now, it's hope for today. It says, one of my earliest revelations in the program, I'm going to, could be called a lesson in the algebra of recovery. A lesson in the algebra of recovery. One day, I was feeling totally frustrated by the alcoholic's behavior when I sought clarity by turning to my higher power in prayer and meditation. I received a swift and clear but seemingly strange answer. A plus B equals C. Thinking of this classic algebra equation long after my high school days fairly shocked me into wondering how it might apply to my situation. So A was me, B was my alcoholic loved one, and C was the total of our relationship. Our relationship was the total outcome of all the interactions between us, our words, emotions, and choices. In algebra... Altering one variable, even if the other variable remains constant, will change the entire equation. In applying this 
algebraic truth to my present and hypothetical future problems, I realized that I could transform A, myself, and get a different C, relationship, even if B, the alcoholic, never changed. As I practice changing the things I can, such as my attitude and actions, the outcomes of my interactions with my alcoholic family member also shift, often for the better. Making different choices for myself brings the total equation of the relationship to a sum of serenity that I never dreamed possible. Thought for the day. What choices do I want to figure into my relationship equations today? She realized that if a relationship were to change, the one who first saw the the kind of attitudes required had the obligation to do so, to hold these attitudes and behave accordingly. The dilemma of alcoholic... I guess that falls on us, as uh, on Fernando, that falls on our shoulders. We see it and, remember, get plenty of rest, I just interviewed uh, my ex-father-in-law, which was a truck driver who actually got me started in truck driving when I was a young man, about 19 years old uh, or 18. I used to go over there. I met him through the girl I was dating, the dad. And I would go to his house and, and ask him if I can wash his semi for him. And he was amazed because he would park his semi with the two trailers uh, in front of his street in front of his house, you know, country setting. So I would get the bucket, and he'd come out with a with a, a buffer and start buffing his aluminum wheels. And me and him get onto it, and we just start cleaning the truck. And uh, and once he he uh, recommended me that once I that I start working for his company. And which I was full of pride and ego and arrogance. Oh, I can make my own way in life. And and I would have been changing oil and doing things that would have been nice. And uh, I am sorry I I, uh, I didn't do it. I didn't make it. I didn't show up to the appointment. And I needed uh, guidance. Uh, probably the, the instructor there would have been amazing. They would have took me under his wing and taught me things that probably would have uh, spilled over to having real estate and having uh, apartment buildings. And I know one guy that um, I put fuel years later, we were putting fuel in trucks. And he was from uh, uh, Southern uh, America, South America, like I am. And, but he would work where he would even make noises he would work so hard fueling the trucks that he couldn't go any faster and his soul would make noise you know like <laughs> and, and, and i'd yell at him i said slow down you're gonna you know for one you're making us look bad <laughs> and two it's ridiculous the way you're working well him and his wife um Eventually got some property, and then they started buying apartments, and you know the story. Years later, I came back to the job to see him, and he was now promoted to the top uh, senior mechanic. And he was in a, his own private little uh, garage where he would fix tow motors. Never went to school, you know, those forklifts. And, um, and he's smoking a cigar, listening to music, and taking it easy. <laughs> 
<laughs> and on his weekends, he would fix plumbings, and he would do this and take care of his houses and stuff. I'm telling you that story because I witnessed it. God bless you, Reuben, for being such a hard worker. All right, moving on, let's go to another reading here, to the reminiscent feeling. Uh, one day at a time. I'm really looking forward to reading uh, Courage um, because the power to courage, because it's really nice. February 29th, for this one, is one day at a time. Let's see what entails. It is not surprising that many of us regard as miracles the marvelous changes we see in our our program. It is living proof that the program does work. It transforms desperate, unhappy people into joyous, useful ones, often long before there hasn't been any decisive change in the alcoholic situation. The program produces a change of attitude in us. It gives us perspective on our problems and shrinks them down to manageable size. As we learn to depend on our higher power through applying the program principles to our lives, fear and uncertainty are replaced by faith and confidence. That is the miracle which we can bring about. This day and every day I will place myself and my life in the hands of God, secure in the knowledge that He will not fail me if I too do my part. Psalms, he has delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. And again, in the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Psalms. Beautiful, 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 wonderful reading. Amazing, huh? And here we go, Courage to Change, our last book. This one I really like. Two, all of my love. I am told that the automatic pilot in an airplane does not work by locking onto a course and sticking to it. Just like our uh, automatic cruise control. Instead, it steers back and forth, the airplane does, over the path of an assigned course and makes the necessary corrections when it senses that it has strayed. In reality, the autopilot is on course only 5 or 10% of the time. The other 90 or 95% of the time, it is off course and correction for its deviation. I too must make continuous adjustments. I am more, much more willing to do so today because I have stopped expecting myself to be perfectly on course. I am bound to make plenty of mistakes. But with the help of the principles in the program, I am learning to accept mistakes as an inedible part of the adventure of living. I can learn to steer the course my higher power sets by relying on a process of trial and error that includes a willingness to continually make adjustments. A person who makes no mistake usually does not make anything. That's from the family disease of alcoholism. Beautiful, beautiful readings for today. You know, I, uh, I, this is what I say, Fernando Comendo. Say teachable, being teachable, able to grow 
in new ideas. That's living life to the fullness. And then I say, I say a prayer. I say, thank you, Father. Thank you, my higher power, for my mess-ups. Because I'm trying to learn. Really, that's the key to success. Mess-ups. That's the foundation of success. Is having accumulated a lot of mess-ups. Like Michael Jordan says, I wouldn't have succeeded if I hadn't had my mess-ups. Amen. Have a great day, family. Give them heaven. Let's go ahead and pray out with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working. Thank you, everyone, for coming today. I'm Fernando. I'm an alcoholic. My name is Patrick, and I'm an alcoholic as well. Today, I'll be reading from Curse to Change and the One Day at a Time in Al-Anon, Part 2, for Tuesday. Oops, sorry, it's leap year. For February 29th, this is the year 2022. I am told that the automatic pilot in an airplane does not work by locking into a course and sticking to it. Instead, it steers back and forth over the path of an assigned course and makes the necessary corrections when it senses that it has strayed. In reality, the autopilot is on course only 5 or 10% of the time. The other 90 or 95% of the time, it is off course and correcting for its deviation. I too must make continuous adjustments. I am much more willing to do so today because I have stopped expecting myself to be perfectly on course. I am bound to make plenty of mistakes, but with the help of the Al-Anon program, I am learning to accept mistakes as an inevitable part of the adventure of living. Today's reminder, I can learn to steer the course my higher power sets by relying on a process of trial and error that includes a willingness to continually make adjustments. Quote, a person who makes no mistakes usually does not make anything. End quote. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. It goes true with our GPS too when we... Put a desire address. How many of us, in the beginning, our GPS, we fought it? And I said, no, I think the uh, Rose Bowl is this way. And, and the GPS is telling me to go right and I go left. And I end up almost being late to our appointment uh, because I took control. And this enables me to understand that, that God is the same thing when I pray for a prayer that roadblocks and circumstances are, are in the way. And I still must realize that, that God and have faith in God and, and not take the situation back that God is taking me to my desired place without me sabotaging the process. Um, that's a beautiful reading for today, especially the autopilot that 
I always say that 95% of failure is what we're looking for. Because <coughs> once I find that 5%, it, it will be what I'm looking for all the time. A success, it's in the 5%. Michael Jordan played it, said it this way. He's, <coughs> if it wasn't for my failures, I wouldn't have success. Thank you, Patrick, again. Um, well, um, this is a program like life, actually. It's a program of progress, not perfection, as mentioned uh, in the reading here. Uh, we're not supposed to be perfect, and I was thinking the other night, we're probably wired to be imperfect and make tons of mistakes throughout our life. But uh, this little reading reminds me that, yeah, we do go off course from time to time, but uh, we can make necessary corrections, and I'm quoting, when it senses that it has strayed. Now, my thing is, is mo most of the time, uh, when it comes to decision-making, uh, sometimes I, I go by gut instinct. Uh, and I, I don't know what the, uh, the odds are that, you know, is it 50-50, I'm wrong, 50-50, my gut and my instincts are right, or should I just uh, step back, take a deep breath, and, uh, you know, ask for higher counsel on whatever the issue may be? and just kind of pause for a moment, maybe even a day or two before making any kind of decision. Um, as I've made enough mistakes in my own life and I've burnt myself. And um, we were discussing the topic of fear recently with Fernando just a few minutes ago. And one of my fears is going back to that old way of life, just doing things on impulse and uh, wrong gut instinct. So uh, I have learned through the 12 steps in recovery to basically Give it over to God, step back, and let him handle it, and the answers will come. And then, of course, we take action, the right action, hopefully. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go ahead and finish off with the serenity prayer, please. God, God grant me the serenity, serenity to accept the things, things I, I cannot change, change the courage to change the things, things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming in today. Yay. Yeah.